2: The doctor is in.
1: Dr. Batar, thanks for uh, flexing with me to do Advanced Medicine Tuesday.
0: Absolutely, Robert. You know, actually, they probably do have the technology to do it from the plane now, as you think about it, with with all the Wi-Fi access on planes, but we probably don't want to expose ourselves to that, so...
1: Yeah, you know, I'd be a little nervous about it. The FCC would probably cre- create some kind of violation, threat, you know, with all the information that we put out there. They'd say, oh, it's not approved. So we don't ask for permission where none is required. And when it comes to advanced medicine, it's never required. And the the fact is what we're doing together is hopefully, and I think so, we, we've been at this for, what, sixth or seventh year in a row broadcasting together like this?
0: I think we're, we finished seven years. I think we're in our eighth year now. Because I think we started in 2011, right? So Yes,
1: yes. Incredible. Yeah,
0: because we did some
1: shows in 2010, so. Yeah, so time. we have been at it for quite a while, and uh, by and large, the feedback has been phenomenal. Uh, the folks love it, and the doctors are, you know, more and more on board with us. We were just up in uh, Detroit, Groceal, with uh, Stephanie Offman-McKeith, and of course our buddy Ty Bollinger and Charlene and family were there. The Doca Detox and many others, Tony Jimenez, you know, our friend Tony, and it was really quite an extraordinary gathering one day. And it's sort of like it, it was like a warm up for what we're going to do for three days together. And, folks, mm. if you think you've seen it all, you think you've heard it all, Dr. Batar's bringing a lot of new stuff. And the fact is, it's not the same as watching it later on video. If you have any option, possibility to join us there, there are tickets still available. Go get them. TruthAboutCancerLive.com. And, uh, Dr. Batar, you, I've asked you about your presentation. Are you still tweaking it a little, or you feel like, man, I'm ready?
0: Well, it's constantly evolving, and some of the stuff is uh, the, the, It's almost like an epiphany that comes, and I, as I'm talking to patients, I am experiencing some of those components, which are, those are old concepts, but the new twist to it and the refocus. You know, one of the things, Robert, they say is that the, if you want to really get some information and really learn it well and really know it like upside down and inside out, then you need to teach it. And one of the things that I've done in my life is with the advanced trauma, with the ATLS Advanced Trauma Life Support, which is a course that doctors are taught how to deal with trauma-penetrating wounds and that type of stuff, blunt trauma. I became an ATLS instructor, became an ACLS instructor, became a PALS instructor, so I could learn the stuff better. And I'm finding that some of the stuff which I've been talking about for years, as I am getting ready for the book, it's really more from the book, and now the presentation, it's, there's certain small components that become tools that a person can almost instantaneously use and start to experience it. And it's really, really invigorating and empowering to, to experience it as I'm going along and, and test it right there live on a patient while I'm talking to them and then give them this idea. They hold on to it, and then the next time I talk to them, they're telling me it worked. I, I, I see the difference. And just it's a, it's a slight modulation of, of our thought process, but it is mm-hmm. so crucial to cancer and to any chronic disease. It's, it's unbelievable.
1: Yeah, and the thing is when we get together, not only on the radio show, but it's just an extra special thing when we get together in person. And, and some people fo- focus on the, the joviality. You guys have just a great time together. But yeah, you know what? We've got to blow off some steam together as well. But a lot of the stuff happens, I believe, on the inner planes. I know that sounds weird for some of you folks listening. But when we're together, there's stuff happening you're not even consciously aware of. There's a dance that's going on. There's information sharing coming through. And sometimes one thing I say or one thing you say or somebody else we're around bounces, suddenly the lights, you know, suddenly get brighter and you notice something. It's very, it's really important to get together when we can.
0: Well, I find it interesting that our rehearsal for the shows is, I don't think we have ever rehearsed for the show in the seven plus years. I, I, maybe I'm wrong, but I know for the last four or five years, it's mm-hmm. literally. Like today, what what was it? I guess I got on the thing. You you guys were trying to figure out something with that lead, and 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 that was it. I mean, I, I hadn't even looked at the stories or anything. So it is completely spontaneous. Not to tell people that we, you know we're not prepared. The point is that it is authentic and it is real, and it's from um, deep in our soul. It's not yeah. something that is orchestrated or or planned or you know meticulously detailed out or anything like that.
1: Except usually, superdot isn't this right when we first connect with Dr. Batar, and he's wondering if we can hear him. he's usually going, "Me, me, 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 me." something like that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> no. I've never heard Dr. Batar sing yet. Have I don't think he does. Do you sing? Is that
0: Mi Fasola? <laughs> what
1: you're talking about? No, but it just proved my point. No, he's not. He doesn't want. He's just ready. He just goes, and we have a great time together. So, Dr. Battar drbuttar dot He's also for those of you new to the show, particularly advanced medicine, the author of the international best selling book, The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away, and I'm pointing to it right now on video. Those of you watching me on on YouTube, you can see it right there. The nine steps. It's right in the in the frame. And uh, so, and a big fan of yours, you know, my mom, Mickey Bell, she also has a book. Here it is, holding it up for mom. Hi, mom. There you are. (laughs) So we're covering all the bases tonight. Now, uh, we have, uh, you know, questions that come in from time to time, and we have another one. This one is really good, and I'm glad you're here for it, because we've talked uh, about lung health before, so let's hit it. Excuse me. You know what? I'm not playing the question of the day theme. I don't know what's going on with it. So let's just go right in to the question of the day. Super Don, you have in front of you, you got your eyeballs in?
2: I do. The question of the day is, uh, hi, RSB and Dr. Batar. My dad is having problems with shortness of breath and breathing problems. His oxygen level has been in the high 80s to low 90s but mostly in the low 90s. He has been in and out of the doctor's offices for the last nine months and tons of tests taken. They have tested his heart, lung capacity, allergies, EKG, blood work, etc., and nothing seems to show why he's having any of these symptoms. They've given him plenty of things to try to help, but most only seem to cause other side effects and other problems. Uh, it says steroids helps, but causes other problems like kidney stones. Yeah. Uh, Mike, this is from Mike T. Uh, okay. Mike continues. He says, we are trying to to help him without the use of medications and other crap doctors give you. Yeah. What do you think could help? I was thinking the silver hydrosol. Should you take it sublingually or nebulize it or both? And what is better each way? The silver hydrosol, the argent 23, et cetera, et cetera. He says, anything else uh, that could help? Okay. You demand Mike T.
1: Okay. Well, yes, you can nebulize the hydrosol for lung issues. There may be deeper issues that we are not addressing just by addressing the symptoms safely or in a safer manner. I wrote about it in Unlock the Power to Heal, page 101. You can read about it. But Dr. Batar, you, you've dealt with some serious, serious lung stuff that not anybody can address the way you've addressed. I don't know if this is cause for that, you know where I'm talking about, or other things that you've seen that is help, that are helpful.
0: Well, you're probably talking about the IRRs and the chronic mm-hmm. constructive pulmonary disease, emphysema-type picture, and right. those, are, those are serious conditions. But my first concern would be if they've done all these tests, uh, you know, when somebody has shortness of breath and they're having breathing problems, the first thing that has to be ruled out is a pulmonary emboli because that's a crucial time-sensitive. If not addressed appropriately, the person can die within, you know, hours. Mm-hmm. So a pulmonary emboli, but obviously if this has been going on for nine months, it's not a pulmonary emboli. So then I would think it's some type of a what they call a reactive airway condition. So that could be like an asthma-type, bronchitis-type, uh, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, emphysema. These are all kind of fall into those same type of categories. Mm-hmm. And th- there is a very, very simple mechanical thing that can be done. Uh, the problem is it has to be done by a doctor that knows how to do it. Uh, but it's called infra Reflex. It was published in Family Practice Journal back in the 1980s, I believe, and
1: um, a very. I, by the way, procedure. I cringe. I cringe every time you describe this procedure.
0: Yeah. Well, it, it actually, believe it or not, is relatively painless. People really don't feel it, wow. even though it is uh, quite invasive. And um, the thing is that the the muscle, it's it, it's called the infraspiratory reflex because you're injecting the infraspinatus muscle, which actually acts as a hinge on the. On, on, on the ribcage. So basically, when you take a deep breath in, uh, you're inspiring. When you inspire, the rib cage opens up, and that's when you take a breath in. And then when you expire, when you exhale, when you let the breath out, the rib cage is closing. So right. people think that the problem is that when you have a restrictive airway type issue, like emphysema, COPD, asthma, whatever, they think that the problem is you can't get enough breath in. But in actuality, that is not what the problem is. The problem is, the lungs are locked out in a chronic exhalation, so it's opened up. The rib cage is open, and you can't close it, so you can't get a breath in. And so basically that infraspinatus muscle, the, the hinge-like muscle, mm-hmm. uh, needs to be oiled. Think of it that way. So we inject it uh, I and mean, basically force it into a relaxation mode, and when it goes relaxes, it lengthens, and when it lengthens, it allows the rib cage to close. It's a very, very remarkable procedure. Uh, I learned it from a Dr. Filbert, who was the one who developed it, and... Um, so this is taught, taught after,
1: this is taught after medical school, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah. I learned this in, uh, in uh, 1999 or 2000, if I remember. And I've taught it to, I'd say that of all the doctors that use the, the filbert infrarrespirary reflex today in the, in the world, uh, I've probably trained 75% of them.
1: Wow. Well, again, this is uh, not every case requires it, as you know. So is there a determining factor? Is there a way you can identify in this case, like uh, what he's writing about? Is it possible that this could be the case, or based on this description, maybe not?
0: Well, the, here's the thing. You don't know what's causing the problem. For example, reactive airway can be caused from chronic mercury. Or it could be from some type of an uh, inhalant that you have just been exposed to that one person may not be allergic to but another person could be. In other words it could be like a perfume that triggers it for somebody or mm-hmm. some people it's the chronic obstructive pulmonary disease secondary to long history of smoking. So there's many different aspects. This technique when it changes the response for the person and it helps their breathing which it'll do it within thirty to sixty seconds, it yeah. doesn't tell you what the causation is because this is a mechanical okay. issue.
1: So, so it's a, yeah, there are, like I said, my concern, even with doing the hydrosol nebulization, if it's an infection, it'll knock it out. But if there's other things going on, we need to look deeper into that. Let's continue this discussion. I have some other ideas about lung health, what might be happening here, because the oxygen levels are, are low. There might be a transport issue. So we'll talk other minerals and metals, too. And then we've got other questions, comments that are coming in. We'll see if we can get to them. The advanced medicine version of the Robert Scott Bell Show with Dr. Rasha Batar continues after this.
2: Great heavens, what
0: kind of radio show is this?
2: The Robert Scott Bell Show.
1: The Robert Scott Bell Show. The Robert Scott Bell Show. All right, rocking the health world with Dr. Rasha Bittar. We're talking deep breath. Shh. Breathe, remember to breathe. Sometimes i got to remind myself that. You ever get caught up in that shallow breathing time where you're just kind of, you're not really stressed, but at the same time you're probably thinking about things and it's, you know, unconscious stress takes over and you're not doing that chi-type breathing that you know is so important, Dr. Bittar.
0: Yeah, it's uh, breathing is so crucial to breathing the right way, breathing from the diaphragm, making sure that when you take a deep breath in, it's actually, people try to stand, uh, suck their stomach in when they take a deep breath in, but it should be the other way around. When you take Mm -hmm. a deep breath in, you should be breathing, expanding your lungs, and the diaphragm actually comes out. And then when you exhale, the diaphragm goes in, and you exhale the breath out. So there's all these different aspects of breathing Mm -hmm. that I think if we learn uh, would benefit our health. In fact, it stimulates the lymphatics. I think somebody just asked a question about lymphatics. Deep breathing improves the lymphatics. It's actually almost like a mini exercise in some ways
1: yeah exactly whether you do a, a yoga with deep breathing a contemplate breathing breathing of meditations, prayerful chanting songs things like that um dr guitar singing me 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 when we when we know I'm just teasing he doesn't do that <laughs> but those kinds of things that work the breath now I was noticing on that question of the day that we were just covering last segment from Mike T about his dad having an oxygen level in the low In the well, high 80s to low 90s, and you said on on, on, for our YouTube crowd that you do that that IRR muscle injection, and you're able to bring that up five points almost immediately.
0: Well, I've taken I've seen it go from the high 80s into the high 90s. I've seen it gone from like 86, 87 percent up to 95. 96% 96% and, and occasionally even up to 98%, 99% within 60 seconds. And then we also do another test. So we do pulse oximetry right before and after. And then we also do, uh, well, we wait about three minutes after the injection. And then we also do what we call respiratory reserve, which is nothing more than holding your breath. So we mm-hmm. hold, have them hold their breath before and then... After we do the procedure, we wait 5 minutes, 10 minutes, and then we'll have them hold their breath. And generally speaking, we'll have anywhere from a 30% up to a 200% increase in the respiratory mm-hmm. reserve. So if they were holding their breath for, say, 20 seconds or 30 seconds, I've had patients that have gone to over a minute and a half for holding their breath. Wow.
1: Fantastic. And this is within
0: just a couple, you know, within a couple minutes.
1: By the way, the homeopathic remedies, I, I, I wrote about them in the book as well, Unlock the Power to Heal, but uh, Bryonia Alba, first one, it's a liver polycrest, also works for the lungs. Uh, you've got uh, Antimonium Tartaricum. You've got, uh, let's see, what else we got? Uh, oh, spo- Toasted SpongeBob. All the kids love that one. Toasted, spongia That's <laughs> Toasted Sea Sponge in a homeopathic form. And Drosera Rotundifolia. These are all very good lung cough type remedies It can only help, not harm. And we've talked about lobelia over time, safely utilized. And, um, you know, I was thinking about uh, iron-copper metabolism. Oftentimes people are copper deficient. And if you don't have the copper, people overlook that. They think it's all about iron and hemoglobin. We've covered some shows recently about the copper issue, how iron cannot be utilized properly without the adequate copper availability.
0: Yeah, so mineral metabolism is actually very critical, and not just lung health, in every aspect of life. Mm -hmm. So from a metabolism standpoint, if you don't have the right trace minerals, you don't have the right um, uh, mineral content in the body, then the minerals which act as enzymatic cofactors, they will not allow the metabolic processes to proceed the way they're supposed to. So absolutely, that would be something important to look at your mineral levels. That's an important aspect. And, you know, when you have a question like this that comes up, It's Mm -hmm. very difficult to answer because you really don't know what's going on. But if they've done all these tests, you would think that all the life-threatening things like a pulmonary emboli, reactive airway obstruction, all those things have been ruled out, but you never know. So it it is important to find a doctor that they feel comfortable with and somebody who can actually do some of these. Somebody that's going to look at it from a more holistic perspective and look at the whole patient as opposed to just looking at one specific component.
1: Yeah, and if he answers uh, or ends his, his comments and questions with you, you demand, then I think he, he probably knows we're not diagnosing and prescribing for his dad, but in a general sense, giving out information that's helpful for people and even to bring up these questions with whatever doctor you choose to question. And, you know, we hopefully, hopefully it's not doctors uh, dumb enough to uh, provide for you a shingles shot H or well, HPV, but in this case, a shingles shot to treat your arthritis. Um, you know, we only have about well, less than a minute to to go here, but I bring this up because uh, I, I, every once in a while I try to be nice to doctors, and then Doctor Batar reminds me, "Don't be nice to doctors that do stupid things." Is, is that still your mo?
0: Well, I mean, I think that nobody should reinforce uh, uh, undesired behavior, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll try to unreinforce it next because uh, there is a, a story about doctors actually injecting the chickenpox virus in the latter years of manifestation, although it's happening in younger and younger folks that get the chickenpox shot, they're now throwing shingle shots at you. But it's one thing to claim that it's so it prevents you from manifesting shingles, even though it doesn't prevent it, may cause it. But it's a whole other thing when they say, you know, if we do this, we can uh, cure your arthritis. We're going to get to the bottom of why they're claiming that, and then we might give you some better ideas. Because that's what we're all about here when we do advanced medicine.
0: Um, can you repeat the part of the stuff where you said all about the things? <laughs>
1: It's
2: the Robert Scott Bell Show. Robert will be right back. The Robert Scott Bell
1: Show. Show. I really try. I do. I try to find uh, reasons to say it's very impressive to have a medical degree, but I keep finding things that say "Mm, maybe not. And, you know, it's not that we don't have featured doctors, include Dr. Batar on here, who have all the intelligence, God granted them, and they're using it, common sense also. But when I come across a story like this, we've just been talking about, doctors urge shingles vaccine to be used in arthritis, arthritis patients. It's rheumatoid, all right, autoimmune diseases. They want to give another shot to someone who's already in an autoimmune response scenario. And I'm just trying to find... Any justification that could make me wrong and them right in this case, and I'm not finding it. Dr. Batar, help me out.
0: Well, the problem is that when you've got a degenerative joint issue, whether it's rheumatoid, osteoarthritis, nonspecific, and they just categorize it as a degenerative joint, the usual treatment is steroids. So you're suppressing an immune system. Now, you also sometimes will use non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, which will affect the kidneys too, but generally speaking, steroids are used for this. Uh, The amazing thing is, though, that everybody knows that the use of steroids will now suppress your immune system. So the logic here is that patients with rheumatoid arthritis have a higher risk of developing shingles. Why? Because their immune systems are being suppressed from the steroids. So that's why, according to this article doctors are urging people to start taking the shingles vaccine because if you have arthritis, then you have a higher risk of getting shingles. Well, why do you have a higher risk of getting shingles? Because you're on steroids, and then steroids, it suppresses your immune system. So that's why you're not only at a higher risk of getting shingles, you're a higher risk of getting any type of infection. You're in uh, Virus, bacteria, microplasma, you know, yeast, whatever, it doesn't matter. You're going to have a higher incidence of getting any kind of infection. So I mean it's just it's a stupidity to to do this because you're going to suppress the immune system and then in order to uh prevent the the manifestation of that depressed immune system you're going to start giving people these type of vaccines so what are you going to give them everything from you might as well give them a vaccine for every type of disease process out there because you've just increased the propensity and the uh, chances of them developing that when you put somebody on steroids
1: yeah, watch the next thing they're gonna suggest. If you also happen to be gay, you definitely have to be on pre-exposure prophylaxis. They call those PrEP drugs. That's the same, same type of drugs that killed millions, I say millions, hundreds of thousands, certainly, of folks uh, with AZT in the 90s in addressing the fictitious phantom, phantom HIV uh, due to what? Immune suppression due to what? drug use, deficiencies, toxicity, uh, gut destruction, et cetera, from antibiotics. And again, it's only a matter of time. They just keep throwing every drug and every vaccine at them. And, you know, we've talked about issues like if you, if you have cancer, by definition, your immune system is compromised because you don't have a, a systemic cancer of any kind uh, if your immune system is intact. And so then they'll, uh, you know, we talk about what can we do to help them. Well, we we remineralize their body, we detoxify their body. We can utilize solar hydrosol uh, for comorbidities and things. everything we want is enhance immunity. But they're afraid to do that because they think in autoimmunity that the immune system is hyperfunctional and gone wrong. Because I don't know, they don't know. So they just say let's kill it, like you said with steroids. And I always say let's restore integrity itself. Right, The cells of self, whether they be bone cells or other cells that are being attacked. Let's, how do we do that? Well, we've got to remove the toxins, get the garbage man working again. We've got to give the body the minerals. And wow, look, lo and behold, you didn't have to use any chemo or immune suppression. And the immune system goes back into its watchdog status. It's not attacking itself, not attacking you or me. Why? Because there's order to the universe. There's intelligence. The creator gave us that intelligence. And only arrogant medical man, I say only, I'm exaggerating a little, uh, tries to supersede or circumvent that.
0: Yeah, and that's exactly the thing. We are trying to take the ultimate design, and we're trying to improve it with a mental faculty that is inferior. You know, we're we're like trying to we're like not diaper trained, and we are trying to tell uh, a, the the most intelligent being they're trying to supersede the design of the most intelligent being. It, it, you know, Einstein said this, you cannot fix a problem with the same mindset that created it in the first place. And this is the issue right here. They've created the problem and then trying to fix it with the same mindset, and it's absolutely ridiculous. It, you can't do that. Um, their, their entire premise here is that, and again, I'm having a little bit of problem, Robert, pulling this up, but mm-hmm. their entire premise is that they found that the live varice- uh, varicella or shingles vaccine yes. boosts the immune system. In actuality... That, that's if you measure the immune system. If you actually measure the immune system, like I would want to know how did they measure this, but if they actually measured the immune system, you'd have to be looking at uh, CD19, CD56, uh, um, you know, CD3, CD4, CD8. You'd have to look at all these different lymphocyte subpopulations to see where is it actually increasing. And I can tell you it's not going to increase any of those, it's not going to increase it at all. They might say that they've got some type of a way to evaluate this, maybe it's a subjective basis, or the article's not pulling up for me. Uh, can you see it on yours? Does it say exactly how they measure the immune system? Because all they're saying is that the live varicella, uh, varicella zoster, or shingles mm-hmm. vaccine boosts the immune system. So how did they assess that? Can you tell?
1: Uh, let's see. This a second study by the team. the use of convention. They, they talked about utilizing um, methotrexate. This is comparative. Ch- chloroquine, qu- quinolones. Yeah. Oh, for- corticosteroids yeah, uh yeah. and and in those showed shingles rates were lowest for patients taking uh the shingle shot apparently uh,
0: yeah, see, that's not it, a measurement of the immune system
1: no no it's that's not a comparison yeah, yeah.
0: so you, you if you it's like saying okay that i want to see the rate of uh, damage caused by fires that are caused by x y and z so you start looking at all these different things that cause fires electrical fires accidental fires cigarette fires whatever, um, you know, mm. machinery gone wrong fires, but you're still looking at all fires. If you right. want to see the, the rate of damage from something else that didn't cause a fire, then look at that, but to compare, it, it, they're, they're comparing the wrong thing. This is a comparative mm. analysis. They're not looking at actually the measurement of the actual immune system to be able to say that giving this Zoster vaccine has increased immune response, it, because it won't. It's impossible.
1: Yeah. I also find it disturbing that they still believe that simply having an antibody to to the zoster varicella virus is sufficient, especially in someone who's already immunocompromised. I mean, it's like, dude, I mean, this would be like kindergarten level immunology. Just because you can identify something and see it coming, if you're tied to the train tracks, you can't get out of the way. And that's what they're doing. They're destroying your ability to get off the train tracks when the train is coming with the drugs that they're talking about, methotrexate or, or prednisone, these things that suppress and destroy immunity.
0: Yeah, actually, the site just pulled up finally for me, Robert, because I was having some kind of an issue here. But this is exactly what they said. They said that the they showed that the vaccine was adequately immunogenic in patients, whether they were starting um, the actual drug or placebo in a few weeks, and that the immunogenicity and the response to the vaccines was similar to that, seen outside the rheumatoid arthritis, setting in general populations and so they're taking that and they're extrapolating something Mm -hmm. so far detached and now they're making the deduction that that improved the immune system because they're comparing to patients that weren't on these drugs and they're saying well it's it's the same same result i mean that is just you talk about lack of integrity this is this is unbelievable they would come out and they would make a a statement that this increases immune response when all they're doing Mm -hmm. is comparing it to another patient population
1: well, this is the same medical culture that has uh, put a million children under six years of age on psychiatric drugs in America. Over a million. A million children. I mean, come on, there's no psychiatric drug deficiency disease. There's no uh, chemical analysis of the brain, you know, so to speak, to uh, measure serotonin, for instance, why they put SSRIs, for instance, although they're doing all kinds of things like methamphetamines, uh, methylphenidate in, in terms of Ritalin. Uh, with these kids, um, over a, like I said, irresponsibility is an understatement as to where this profession has gone. And, uh, you know, if we understood that nutrition, heavy metals, these things are real hydration, you know, then we can get the issues of, hey, how are you raising your children? Are they disciplined or not? But a lot of cases, this isn't about you're beating your kid into submission or not, whether it's appropriate or not, but it's literally they are so whacked out on drugs, much less heavy metals prior to that because of vaccines. And Harris Coulter wrote about vaccine violence, beginning violence in the kids who are vaccinated.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, I, you know, this, uh, these statistics, when they're talking about the, um over the million that are on the psychiatric drugs, I'm wondering whether they're eliminating from those numbers those kids that have been put on sedatives, Mm. right? So sometimes the sedatives, they won't consider those as psychiatric drugs, but that's what they're doing. They're trying to blunt their response so that they're not as volatile, they're calmer, but they don't necessarily classify those as psychiatric drugs. They may classify those as antidepressants or anxiolytics. So they're categorized slightly differently um, as opposed to a psychiatric drug that, that's a psychotropic type drug. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm curious whether cause if they're actually inclu- if they've eliminated those numbers then if they've eliminated the sedative type numbers in there, I mean that could be
1: Oh, it could be tens of mil- millions, yeah, it could be a lot, a lot more you 're so right, so folks, we got to do advanced medicine that 's why we 're here with Dr. Batari each and every week, and that 's why i 'm encouraging you' all who can please do plan to come and join us in Orlando, Florida, October fifth, sixth, and seventh, and it 's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday big event. And, you know, organic food's going to be in, at this hotel. They have their own organic garden, so it's going to be all-around quality. And you'll get to meet and rub elbows with the likes of a Dr. Batar, which is awesome. Last year, it was amazing, the people that were around you asking questions, learning, just being in the vibe, the energy. It's something very, very special. Don't miss the opportunity. They don't come every day. Uh, so if you're on the fence about it, get to Orlando, you've still got time, buy the ticket, plan your flight in or drive in from wherever you are, and we'll look forward to seeing you there. Now, for those of you who don't have the time to go, that's another issue. There's a story here, we got about uh, a minute or so before break, Dr. Batar, but I want to just at least plant the seed for this concept. Need a happiness boost. It says spend your money to buy time, not more stuff. What do you think?
0: Well, you know, I want to know how you buy time, because that sounds like that sounds very impressive if you can buy time. But I, I thought the time was one thing that you can't buy more off. Right. So I'm, I'm curious about that. Right.
1: <laughs> I, you know, I'm thinking, it, it, you know, the, the concept may not be communicated ac- accurately, but the idea is, you know what? We could buy a fancy new toy or we could take a trip. Right. And have an adventure, yeah. have an experience. And, and, and I agree, those things are so valuable because even as the expensive toy wears out the memories that you have, unless, of course, you inject yourself each year with a flu shot containing mercury, the memories will be with you long into old age and perhaps beyond. Uh, so, you know, that to me, that's what I get out of this uh, article or statement.
0: Yeah, I think I think you're right. And that's exactly um, what I think they're trying to get across. And, and I agree with that statement because certainly time is one thing that people think about on their deathbed. And they think, you know, I wish I had more time and spent more time with my family, etc." cetera, so that's what they're talking
1: about. Yeah, they never say, I wish I had more time to buy that toy. No. It was yep. like, I wanted to spend more time with or have an adventure. Those kind of bucket list things typically are not stuff related, but experience related. And it's true, stuff can help you experience stuff, but hey, I'll leave it at that. We got more healing to go on the Robert Bell Show with Dr. Batar, One more segment. Those of you watching on YouTube, I'm waving at you right now.
2: Live around the world, the Robert Scott Robert Bell, Show.
0: Bell
2: Show. Robert Scott Bell. The Robert Scott the
1: Bell, Robert Bell Show. The Robert Scott Bell Show. All right, more than half of all Americans will need nursing home care. This is according to a new study. Only half, really? And it's happening at younger and younger ages. I'm telling you, you know, when they can take a teenager, Dr. Bittar, and convince a teenager's parents that there's nothing left, we've done the antibiotics, we've done the prednisone, now we have to remove and resection their colon and give them an external bag, a colostomy bag. We're living in a culture that is so warped from reality, from nature, that there's almost no saving it. And I realize we only reach so many people. We're reaching more people all of the time. But I'm philosophical about it, recognizing I can't save everybody who's not willing to listen and save themselves with the information we're we're putting out there. Uh, so, you know, as we talk about advanced medicine, it's not only what a medical medically trained Dr. Batar can do, it's what he can, what we can all do together. And then, of course, on our own.
0: I think this is a... The basis of what Ty did with The Truth About Cancer and what some other movements have been doing is to empower the individuals with information and knowledge, and I think that's the key, Robert, that it doesn't matter whether somebody has uh, a license or a degree or even special knowledge. I mean, you know, that a person can walk up to another person, they, they can be a plumber, they can be a uh you know, nothing to do with healthcare, nothing to do with nutrition, nothing to do with wellness, nothing to do mm-hmm. with medicine, and you can just put your hand on, you know, somebody's shoulder and tell them, "Hey, I hope you, you're having a good day." Or if you see that they're having they're having a problem, just that physical touch of one human being to another—that's healing. There's there's a healing energy component to it, and of course, we're talking about an appropriate, you know, putting your hand on somebody's shoulder. Right, right. Again, right. somebody's going to take that out of context, but my point again <laughs> is that. It, we we all have the ability to help other people, and when you help somebody else, when you lift them up, when you give them some of your energy, when you give them some of your time, when you put a smile on their face, that is a healing process, and that's where we all are coming from. In whichever way, capacity, we can impact another individual we should take that opportunity, and there's a selfish reason for that, too, because when you help somebody, when you elevate somebody else, what mm-hmm. happens is you get that energy back, but you get it back exponentially. You get it back magnified, and that is truly amazing.
1: I, I love it. It's true. It's truly the ultimate selflessness is selfishness, right? The willingness to do for yourself uh, that which you would also want to be able to do for others, but uh, a lot of folks will neglect themselves. That's one of our, you know, our buddy Doc Detox talks about that all the time, the self-love that's so important. And also this final uh, uh, story here, just for a couple of minutes. Cultures around the world show us how life purpose fuels longevity. And, and you know, that's why I enjoy so much hanging around you and, you know, the others like Ty. People that have found their life's purpose, it doesn't mean we don't hang around people that don't know it, because often, you know, we're inspired by others who found their life purpose to find their, our own. And then once we get it, it's like we like to inspire others to do the same. And there's a great joy. There's a lot of giggling and happiness and laughing and joking and, you know, sometimes dishing out on each other. And we have a great time doing it. And I think people dig it. They can feel it. And they want it, too. And it isn't that you have to do it the way I'm doing it or the way Dr. Batars doing it. You've got to find your own way to do it. But you got to do it.
0: Yeah, I think that's really an important component for to remind people that it's everybody has their own impact and their own capacity of contributing in whichever fashion or form that they can. And that, that's what's important. The fact that you do it, and you do it in whichever way best resonates with you. I think that's a very, very important point, Robert.
1: Yeah, the Japanese culture, according to this article, has a concept called ikigai. That's funny, ikigai. Don't be an ikigai. Actually, if you're in Japan, be an ikigai. <laughs> it means you, you found your purpose in life. It could be ikigai, but I, I, it sounds like ikigai. Uh, and uh, they associate this with health and longevity. They they studied 4,000 adults to determine if the theory was true. Uh, They were all over age 65, 1,800 identified as a high risk of death, 1,200 at a high risk of losing the ability to perform activities, uh, more than 1,100 at risk, and again, they found that those who had hobbies, they had a purpose in life, indeed had longevity despite the risks that they also carried
0: that's a really good that, that there should be more studies like that
1: mm-hmm. yeah so how do you find it how do you find it in like 20 seconds or less dr Batar? how do you find your purpose in life
0: wow that's <laughs> what it throw me underneath the bus there Rob. Uh, you know I, I really think that everybody's purpose in life overall the global purpose of life is to at least for one short moment to experience conscious connection with the creator
1: See, I knew I didn't throw you under the bus. I mean, you lit, me, you, lit, uh, you lit us all up with that, finding a conscious connection with the Creator. I love it. And that, of course, means vitamin L. It means the love we talk about, but we try to exude and live here. Dr. Bittar, thanks so much for joining us for a special edition of Advanced Medicine this very evening. Archives go to medicalrewind.com. Tell them what they need to know because we got to go.
2: The power to heal is unequivocally yours. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Bell Show. The Robert Scott Bell Show.